Thanks for joining us for the Sermon of the Week. You can find out more information about Legacy Church online at LegacyFamily.tv. All right, all right. Welcome to all the visitors. We're glad you're here today. Half the church just left with the kids. Isn't that awesome, though? Glory to God. We've been talking about our identity, our identity, who we are in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creature. And that's been our foundation. Who, who does not have sermon notes and won't some wave, wave your hand at me? Hey, there is a correction on the sermon notes. Today is October the 21st, not the last Sunday. It's just a, it's all right. It's all right. Everybody makes mistakes. We still forgive, don't we? Amen. So does Jesus. So we've been talking about our identity, our stolen identity. It was stolen in the Garden of Eden. How many of you know that? Yeah. When, when Satan came, he stole their identity and they lost the anointing. And, and from that point on, man needed to be changed. Jesus said, you must be born again. You know, Adam and Eve, they listened to the snake. You know, I said that if they was Cajun, they wouldn't have talked to They would have ate the snake, you know. That's what, you know, Cajuns don't eat the apple. They eat the snake. So anyway, that would have took care of it, wouldn't it? No. So, so anyway, it just went out the door. Okay. Y'all, you don't want to play today. Okay. So uh, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. One of the hardest things to change is your old ways. The world even has a saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but that's a lie. You can learn new things. If you got a smartphone, you're learning new things, or you have learned new things. If you're over 35 and have a smartphone, huh? you can learn new things if you want to, if you're not stiff-necked and hard-headed. Okay, if you're not stiff-necked and hard-headed. You know, in the world, if you work for different companies or whatever, they call it continuing education. Try to teach you new what's coming. They try to teach you a new way, a different way, how, how, to get, how to change your thinking and change your mindset. And that's what the Bible, God, God wants to change you. Well, who we are, I'm just who I am. No, God wants to change you into his family. And it's a good thing. If you if you were okay without God, then you wouldn't need a Savior. Jesus wouldn't have died. He wouldn't have to die. But he died for all of us. And that, that death, when we see that death in our heart and we see that resurrection, when we see what Jesus did, it wants to change us. I'm thankful. Because I've, I've tasted life without him and I've tasted life with him. It's better with him. And so with all my teachings that, that we're doing uh, we're trying to change your thinking. How hard it is. I've got to stick here just for a minute. How many of us live in I don't deserve land? I don't deserve that. I didn't earn that. I, I, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You deserve it because Jesus paid the price for it. You don't deserve anything, but you know what? You deserve it now because Jesus paid the price for it. It was so hard for me to change my thinking that I was supposed to be poor, dumb, stupid, that I was supposed to survive by my own two hands, but to realize that the promises of God were yes and amen to me. I had to get it in here. I had to change my thinking that, you know what? God's for me. If God's for me, who can be against me? If God's for me, we got to recognize our identities change, that God's for you, that God loves you. Well, I know he loves me. You know there's people that, that love God but cannot receive the love of God, and they kill themselves because they don't deserve his love or they don't deserve his forgiveness. What we're really trying to get you out of is the, the, uh, the reality of feelings. I don't feel like it. I don't feel this. I don't feel saved today. I don't feel any. I don't feel like I'm a good person. I don't feel. I don't feel good. It doesn't matter what you feel. The reality of uh, what you need to get is the reality of knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing what God has given you. We talked about it last Sunday. You know, people are ignorant. 
to the things of God because they don't read the Bible and they don't listen. They do what they want to do, how they do it, and it's the way we've always done it. And they're still in that old trail that's wore out. You know, when the wagon trails were going to the west, they got deeper and deeper. The ruts did. And a lot of people live in a rut. They go the same way, do the same thing, and they, don't have it, and they never have victory. Get up out the rut. You know what a rut is. It's a grave with both ends, both ends knocked out. Get out of the rut. Get out of the grave you're in. There's victory. We just sang about it. Hallelujah. And all we were singing it, but half of us don't believe it. The victory belongs to us. God wants you to have an overcoming life. So what we got to do is stop and say, wait a minute. If I'm not having an overcoming life, I got to change. Because God doesn't change. He's forever the same, and he's still giving you. Our part is to take the word of God and live it. Do what the man said, Jesus. And when we live by what Jesus said, it changes us. Now, it, you can study the Bible and just get head knowledge. You ever met somebody like that and knows the Bible inside out and never used it in their life whatsoever? Everything that we teach or everything in the Word of God is to bring the reality or, or to bring a, a, a reality of Jesus in your life. An encounter. Not knowledge in the head, but an encounter with your spirit. God wants you to have an encounter with Him. You can know Him. He walks with you. You ever have a toddler follow you and you not know it? And you stop and they run into you like, what was that? Or you turn around and you can't see them because they're down here and you knock them down. You ever done that? I've done it. You know how many times you knock down the Holy Spirit? He's following you. He's walking with you. And you kind of shove him aside. I'm going to see it anyway. I'm going to say it anyway. When he goes, don't say that. Don't say that. Get back. Come on. This is where we have got to change because I do believe the harvest is coming. That's the word of the Lord. We're in the last days. Don't you think you ought to get your identity straight with God? Don't you think you ought to know who you are so you can live? Well, I can't do that. I can't do that. Yes, you can. You got the scripture in the bathroom or in the hall somewhere. It says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's somewhere, but it's hanging on the wall. Do you really believe it? Because you can do all things. God will empower you. He'll back you. And where you're weak, he'll show up to be strong. That's his promise. I can't do that because I don't know enough. I, I don't know enough of the Bible. You know what? You're a light. If you start walking in the love of God, it doesn't matter all you have to know. If you know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, you know enough to get the world saved. But we don't. I don't know. I can't do that. So let me just pray over us. Father, I thank you for boldness. To be the light in these last days. Let our identity in Christ strengthen us, Lord God, to be the light of the world. To, that we have a knowing of who we are. That the victory belongs to us in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Well, we've talked about your true identity, who we are. And today, uh, I want to talk about I am. Because you need to have a bold confession. I am, I am, I am, I am. And, and uh, we're going to look at that today. Uh, Satan stole too much. It's time to take it back. Do you agree? John 10.10 10 says the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you know there's a thief out there? You know, I had one lady uh, years, she was a new new baby in Christ, and she said, you know, I feel sorry for the devil. I said, eh, nope, that's wrong thinking. You don't feel sorry for the devil. He's the one who steals, kills, and destroys. He brought death. He brought sickness. He brought the curse into the earth. Amen? But don't, be pit don't be pitying the devil. All right. Well, Paul knew that what he gave uh, instruction to Timothy, and that's where we're going to talk about today. If you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy 2.1. I'm going to read it out of the NIV just so it's easy to understand. We, we uh, country folks like me, it's just easy to understand sometimes. I grew up on the King James, and I, can tra I translate it in my head, make it easier. 
And Timothy said, uh, Paul told Timothy, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to, the re- to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is where we're going. Are you ready to teach somebody? Okay, let me preach this way. You ready to teach somebody? You're like, not me, Pastor Brett. You better get ready. Join me in suffering. I don't want to do that either. You know what the biggest suffering is? That change. Doing it the same old way. The suffering is in here. That you won't change to conform to the Word of God, to be what Jesus, to die to yourself and take up your cross and follow me, Jesus said. Well, I want to go to the ball game. I want to watch the dance on the film TV today. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. I don't want to study the Word. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be hard like this. So verse 3, here's where we're going. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the first, uh, does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should first uh, uh, receive and share uh, a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight on all this. Let me say this. Grace is free, but maturity is not. What we're talking about, you know what? I've laid foundation the last three Sundays. We got to grow up. We got to grow up. And so I don't know uh, what grade you're in. First grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade. And don't be ashamed. Whatever grade you're in, own it. And know you want to go to the next level. Everything God has grows. Woo! Everything. 500-year-old oak trees are still growing. They're still getting new leaves. They're still growing. Everything God has. So say, I'm growing. I'm getting bigger every day. And I ain't talking about weight. I'm talking about in God. Listen to me. Our identity, knowing who we are. Mm-mm-mm. Paul used three images. Let me say about maturity just before we dive into it. Maturity is not perfection. We want to be perfect. I can't do anything till I'm perfect. Well, Paul never would have done anything. Huh? The only perfect one was Jesus. So so it's not perfection, it's maturity. What used to hold me back doesn't hold me back, but there are other things now that latch a hold of me, and I have to kick off of it and get it off of me. Things that used to hinder me don't hinder me anymore, but there are other things that crop up that hinder me. So first of all, I am a soldier. In verses 3 and 4, it says, Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled with civilian affairs. Do you know how many times the Bible, the New Testament, talks about us being a soldier? Do you know that if you read the Old Testament, it talks about they were at war with the enemy all the time. We're at war with the enemy all the time. I don't want to be a soldier, Pastor Brett. You're tough. You got to soldier up. You're in a fight. You know what? You may not feel like the devil's after you, but guess what? He's after your spouse. He's after your kids. He's after your mama. He's after your cousins. He's after people at work. He's after your job. If he can kick you and set you back, he'll do it. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy, and it's time to soldier up. The three examples. Man, we get distracted. We're a soldier. How about 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapons of our warfare? Warfare are not fleshly, 
I'm not talking about joining the Army, Navy, and Marines. I'm talking about spiritually, let's get ready for warfare. You're a soldier. You're going to have to fight for it. How many of y'all ever prayed like me, ever prayed for something that didn't come to pass? Did you fight for it? Or just a, oh, Lord, I want McDonald's cheeseburger and fries. And we want it now. Oh, it didn't howl. He didn't answer my prayer. You know, I thought for sure somebody would come and give me $10,000 today. Huh? But God has called us to battle and to fight. Well, how, how do we do it? Right here. Oh, let me do it right here. Lord, I come to you. Huh? How about praying? How about the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly where you stab, shoot, or hurt somebody. It's that you pray and you call down heaven on them. That you call angels to be released because they're the heirs of salvation. How about you call down heaven, angels, the Holy Spirit to work on somebody's heart and to bind the devil that their eyes might be open. How many of you know that even Christians can be blinded? Okay, I'm going to keep going. Y'all sure are quiet today. Ephesians 6.10 says that, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God. We got to put on the armor of God. Get your shield of faith up. Helmet of salvation. Breastplate of righteousness. You got the belt of truth. Your feet are shod with your boots on. Got your salvation on. Living it. You literally don't have to put your boots on and, all right, Lord, I'm putting the helmet of salvation. No, you, you, you've got it all the time. You go to sleep in it. You're saved. Saved, saved. Act like it, act like it, act like it. You know, the, the Bible says to fight the good fight of faith. So that means we're in a fight. How many of you know, my son-in-law said, reminded me of uh, something that uh, Mike Tyson said. Everybody has a plan until they get hit in the mouth. Everybody thinks they got, oh, it's going good. I love God. Yeah. Boom, a devil pop you in the mouth. Now what you going to do? Oh, don't God love me? Oh, don't God love me? I've done it. Everybody's got a plan until you get popped in the mouth. Now what you going to do? What are you going to believe now? I still God's a good God. I still believe God. I still trust God. I still know God. Doesn't matter who dies, what happens, who falls away, who quits serving God. I love God. And God's a good God. You got to make that up. You, you know what? Billy Graham said, the mountaintops are great views, but fruit is, is grown in the valley. And they don't live in the valley. You need to get up on the mountain from time to time. But let's what? We all walk through the valley of trouble, the valley of death. We walk through the valley of death, but we still have the victory. The Bible says we still have the victory even in death. If New Orleans got anything right and it is so wrong, was when the saints go marching in, hey, it's time to celebrate. The saints, there's victory even in death. We have the victory. Let me read James 1 and 2. Uh, actually, James 1, 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in various trials. When you get popped in the mouth, count it all joy? What? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. So fruit grows in, fruit grows in, in trouble. Know that, you know what, I got the victory. So let's go to number two. I am an athlete. Listen, athletes have to practice. You practice, this, this is practice. Sunday's practice. Practice, practice, practice. Sunday we practice walking in the Spirit. 
Sunday we practice worshiping God. Sunday we practice hearing His Word. Sunday we practice hearing the Holy Ghost. Sunday we practice. Monday we live it. Tuesday we live it. Wednesday we live it. And actually, when you walk out the door, you got to live it. Because it's all good in here. Ain't nobody said anything bad about me today right now. This minute anyway. Huh? We've got to live this. This is our life. And so, so as an athlete in 2-5, an athlete must follow the rules if he wants to win the game. The image of the athlete reflects the need for character in the life of a Christian. Only those who live pure lives with the constraints of God's command will win the prize. Now, and listen, listen, it's called growth. You look at yourself now and you go, well, I, I, there's no way I can win the prize because I'm not living where I need to be. Well, that's all right. You're growing to get there. Paul said, I have not, I have, I have not obtained. I'm pressing towards the mark. I'm still moving forward. I'm moving forward. Even in all the midst of this trouble, I'm still going forward. And when we played basketball, we ran, we ran, we ran. And we ran and we ran until somebody passed out, threw up, and the coach said, okay, that's enough. And then we'd get up and run some more because we were getting in basketball shape. And those poor fellas would come off the football field and try to play basketball. We'd run them in the ground because they were in football shape. Difference. But wherever you're at in life, God wants you to be in shape with the Word, with the Spirit, to know who He is. He's called you. to. You're in the game. Always like the, 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 the World Series is coming up. And you got a, a baseball field and you have people playing and you got people in the stands. How many know that? And you got people watching on TV. How many know that? And you got people just like we're having church this morning. There's people going up down the interstate. You can hear the vehicles every now and then. You'll hear them. They don't have a clue what's going on. That's not us, though. Guess what? We're not watching on TV and we're not sitting in the stands. We may be on the bench getting ready to be put in, but we're in the game. And we can be called upon at any time. We're the athlete. God's going to say, hey, go in there. Go in there. Go get them. Hey, I need you to go over there. I need you to go over here. I need you to go say this. Go say Jesus loves them. How hard is that? Jesus loves you. And I just, since I need to tell you that, I'm, I'm, you know, this is the easiest way to do it. You know, you don't know me from Adam, but I want to say, I, I hear the Spirit of God just want me to tell you. I'm endeavoring to hear God that Jesus loves you. How hard is that? You just set it up. I'm trying to hear the voice of God. Huh? That's easy. It's easy. I, I was sitting in a restaurant one time, and we were eating with friends, and, and we're sitting there eating, and my eye caught this guy because I'm always, I'm a people, I look at people, Okay. I mean, they're not as all ugly as I am, but they're still funny. And I'm sitting there, and I look at this man, and he had finished his ice cream, and he was licking the bowl. Now, it, was, it would have been funny, but it broke my heart because he was drunk. And it was, you know, everybody else was laughing at him. But the Spirit of God said on me to go talk to him. And I'm like, uh-uh. Y'all ever had, am I the only one? God said, you need to go love on them. You need to minister to them. And it was funny. But he was angry. And you could tell he was angry. So I'm wrestling with God. I'm doing the Jacob thing. I know y'all have never done this. But you need to get to the place where you do and you do obey. And you know what? I got the nerve enough that I went and sat down at his table. And I said, hey, brother. Just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? Don't you just shut up. I was a baby Christian. But God was seeing if I, if I was going to be bold enough to go talk to him. And I did talk to him. And he was angry. But I got to pray for him. Matter of fact, I prayed for him the whole time. After I left there, I prayed for him. You know, we think that we're supposed to go get somebody saved. We got to get them saved right now. No, you don't. You're planting seeds. 
You put in the love of God, you show in the love of God because nobody else cared about him in that place. And God said, go tell him I care about him. That's all we got to do. And when we live like that, people go, what do you have? What would make you do that? Because I'm an athlete. You're an athlete. You're in the game. Are you ready for God to use you? Galatians 5, 7 said you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? You ever have somebody cut in on you? I know you have driving. Don't even act like you're sitting there. You're an angel. People cut in front of you all the time. But how many of you know the devil tries to cut in front of you all the time? How do you know that the devil used people to cut in front of you all the time? And you think, wow. Ah. Remember it's the enemy. It's not people. God loves people, even the worst and the ugliest of us. Galatians 2, 2 says, In response to the revelation in the meeting private with those esteemed leaders, I presented the gospel. Listen to this. I'm, let me set this up. Galatians 2, 2. This is Paul. This is Paul. Paul spent years and years and years in the desert. Paul preached to the gospel to people who didn't know God at all. Isn't that amazing how God sent the country boys to the educated, and God takes Paul, the educated, and sends him to the people who don't know God at all. Made him weak so God could be strong through him. But look what he says right here. I went up by revelation and communicated to them. He went to James and Peter. James was the pastor at Jerusalem, and everybody knows who Peter was. Peter was the apostle that walked on the water. These, he was the apostle that, that you know, he was the loudmouthed apostle. You know what I'm talking about. Now look what he said. And, and, and to communicate, I communicated to them the gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but probably to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run and had run in vain. Listen to what he's saying. I got revelation to preach to the Gentiles. And he goes, I went and conferred with the men who were in charge and asked them if it was right. You know, Peter said in another place, he's hard to understand because he's so stinking educated, but his words are true. What is he saying? You need a coach, athlete. Who's your coach? Who's your coach? Who's coaching you? Who's saying, go get them, go get them, go get them? Who's coaching you? If you don't have the Holy Spirit as your coach or a pastor as your coach, you're in trouble. I just do it on my own. No, no. Yeah, there's some individual sports like tennis, but how you know how you know they got coaches? But I mean, a football player can't can't do it all. You don't put one against eleven. We are not by ourselves. We have one another. We're on a team with one another, and we have coaches. And you need to have coaches in your life. If you don't have coaches in your life, you're gonna fail. Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, went to these men and verified, this is what I believe. What do, you, do you agree? Don't go on the Internet and get coached. Just warning you. They'll tell you that the God's from Mars. They'll tell you some crazy stuff. Listen to people who have been seasoned, who know what the Word says. Hear them. Okay? So Paul went up. He went up to his coaches. He was coach. Who's your coach? The last one on athlete in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. And this one's hard right here. Do you, not, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that lasts forever. He's talking about self-discipline. Okay, he's talking about self-discipline. Because nobody wants to hear about self-discipline. Nobody wants to hear about, you know what, I'm going to read the Word. I don't care what anybody else does. I'm going to pray. I don't care what I see anybody else doing. I'm going to seek God in my life. I'm going to put Him first. I don't care because guess what? We live in America, don't we? And America's entertainment driven. Huh? We, we chase entertainment. 
I, I, I watched football yesterday. We too, we chase entertainment, but we have to chase, we have to be God chasers. We have to chase God. We have to be self-disciplined enough that we chase God no matter what. If we get popped in the mouth, no matter what, winning, if we think we're losing, we're still chasing God. Amen? Nod your head or something. Amen. You know, if you can't say amen, say oh me. Because self-discipline's tough. But if, but if you take care of yourself, discipline-wise, if you repent, if you're quick to repent, and you repent, God will forgive you, boom, you're clean. But if you wallow in it, lay down and roll in the mud, and lay down and roll in the sin, I don't know why I keep doing this, but I keep doing it, you're just going to get muddy. You're going to stay there. God wants to pull you up. The Bible says that Jesus descended to men and pulled them up out of the muck and the mire. Okay, amen. Yeah, okay, thank you. The last one, number three. I'm a farmer. I don't care if you got a garden or not. You do have a garden. You're a farmer. The garden is you. You are a farmer. Diligent, hardworking farmers are models of patience. The seeds they sow into the soil must gradually grow into crops. It's the farmer. If the farmer wants to reap a harvest, he cannot be impatient and dig up the seed to see if it's growing. And we must be patient with our growth and that of others in the Lord. Patiently, we must wait for the harvest of spiritual growth. We have got to grow. I said it in the beginning, God, everything God created grows. Death comes because of, because of sin, because of Satan. You know, the greenest your grass can be, you pull it apart, and there's death underneath it. The old grass has died. That's the curse. In heaven, there's no dead grass. That's why the colors are so vibrant. People that have been to heaven in return talked about flowers and trees and the green and the yellow and the red, all the colors so vibrant because there's no death there. Just a little excerpt. Trying to help you a little bit. Heaven's a wonderful place. Filled with glory and grace. And I can't wait to see my Savior's face. I don't know if y'all remember that one. But we're going to go there, huh? But right now, we're called to bring the kingdom here. Are you planting the kingdom? Are you living the kingdom? Are you eating the kingdom? Are you planting the kingdom? Are you living the kingdom? Are you watering the kingdom? Are you eating of the kingdom? Are you planting the kingdom? You're living on what you planted yesterday. I know this is tough, but it's called maturing. You're living on what you planted yesterday. I'm not any good. You know, I, I never get my prayers answered. That's weeds. Do you know weeds will grow whether you plant them or not? That's the curse. Weeds up here grow. You know, thoughts will fly over your head or through your head all the time. It's your fault if you let them stay. You know, Brother Hagin talked about birds fly over your head all the time. We were getting ready to go to U-Trip. We all praying on trip, and the bird plooped on this boy. You all down his shirt. He said, I think I'm going home. I said, no, you're going with us. Huh? Birds can fly over, but if they land on your head, that's your fault. Don't let them land on your head. Don't let thoughts stay in there that aren't godly. I'm no good. Nobody ever loved me. Uh, all the trash that we, we've already dealt with that the last three sermons, but all the trash that I'm not good enough. I'm living in the, living in the land. Uh, I'm not worthy. Well, that might work for, that might work for Miss, Miss Keene, but it don't work for me. That's a lie. The Word works for anybody who plants it. The Word is working mightily in you. Now, okay, let's, let's just dig. Mark 4, 13 uh, is really the parable of the sower sows the word. In Mark 4, 13, it says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? This is the most important parable in the Bible. This parable explains everything. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. You have to put the word. You know, I, I, there's a sheet back there at the Welcome Center that has, has 90-some-odd 90, 90 
uh, in Christ, scriptures. In Christ, you're a new creature. We've already said that. In Christ, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're righteous. You have the victory in Christ. You're an overcomer in Christ. You need to get that sheet. You're trying to make it on your own. I, I just hope, I hope I'm an overcomer. I, well, Pastor said I had the victory. I hope I have the victory. It's not, no, no, now you're in the realm of feeling. You got to get in the realm of reality. That's why you have to plant the word. You got to plant the word. You got to plant the word. You got to say, how do you plant the word? By saying it, saying it and believing it. I don't feel like I'm a child of God today, but today I'm a child of God no matter what. I have received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I am a child of God. You need to look in the mirror and say that. You are a child of God. You, me, I am a child of God. I am an overcomer. I am blessed. I am blessed because of what Jesus did, the blood of Jesus. For me not to, to believe I'm blessed, I, I think, kind of insults the, the Jesus. Think about that. Now, Jesus, you know, it'd be like a toddler can't insult me, you know. And somebody that don't know me can't insult me. You get that? Some stranger come in and say, say you stupid idiot. I go, you don't know me. You can't. That boom bounces right off me. But if my wife says I'm a stupid idiot, now I'm got some trouble. <laughs> she knows me. Huh? That's why Jesus said when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you got to know him to blaspheme him. A toddler don't know me. They can't insult me. I can't expect. But when we mature and we start doubting God, we're kind of insulting him. He's going to say, you better get a grip. He doesn't do that to babies. You don't kick a toddler and say, grow up, grow a mustache. They can't grow a mustache. They have to be a, you know, they have to mature. Huh? I'm trying to help you. Uh, what level you're at, grow. It's time to grow. God's wanting you to plant some things that will grow in your heart and grow in your life. You know what? Love's our foundation. Love, love, love. God is love. That's something you need to be growing. I love God. I love people. And I love me. Let's balance it. Love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you, I don't raise your hand. Some of you have a hard time loving yourself. I'm no good. You're living in the land of feeling again. The reality is Jesus paid the price for you. You are worth the blood of Jesus. You are worth the Son of God's life. You're worth it. And it's got to become reality. If it's not, then you'll go try the Koran. You'll go try Buddhism. You'll go try this. You'll go try that because you have no reality. There's, no, there's nothing real about that. How do you know? How do you know the Bible's real? Because I have found, I have tested it, I have tried it, I have walked in it, and it's real. It's true. It's the greatest thing. The salvation is the greatest miracle. It's the greatest thing to happen to you, and we need to see more of them every day. I love the scripture that and Acts that says God added daily to the church. Not just, I'm not talking about just here. I'm just talking about the church. You're the church. And guess what? Every person that doesn't have a clue driving up down the interstate or that you see at the grocery store, or you see at the gas station, Jesus died for them. Jesus died for them. Come on. See, every time you come to a service where somebody preaches, next Sunday, Philip Becker will be here. You don't want to miss it. They're planting stuff in you. Plant it. Water it. See, I'm a child of God. It's planted. How do I water it? Thank God for my salvation. Thank God I'm saved. Thank God I'm an overcomer. Thank God for the Holy Spirit who bears witness with me that I'm a child of God. Huh? Knowing who you are. Last Sunday I called up Amariah. I said, can we change your name? No. But she knows who she is. You pull out your ID, you ought to write Christian on it or in Christ, knowing who you are. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God 
unto salvation. He's maturing. It's called maturity. Stuff grows. Stuff, there's stuff growing in your life you need to dig up. We've got to be diligent. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got several more scriptures, but I want to bounce. I, I just want to remind you of Mark 4.13. And Jesus said, don't you understand this parable? How then do you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the, the, the word is sown. And as soon as they hear it, see, some fell by the wayside. So this is the warning. This has happened every Sunday. It happens every Sunday. When you leave out these doors, Satan comes immediately to take the word. Matter of fact, he's in here right now trying to look. What, look at that. There's a spider web up there. He's distracting you from hearing the word, from putting it in your heart. And he'll step on the word and he'll go, it won't work for you. 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 It's not working for you. It's not working for you. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Do you hear the Do you hear Y'all ever heard that voice? That's not God. That's not God. The distractions, he comes to steal. How, how about you ever walk out of church and have an argument with the wife and the kid right here in the parking lot? That's the enemy coming to steal the word. Joy and peace. Some of y'all are laughing, pointing at me. And I'll... Hear me. He comes immediately to steal the word of God out of your heart. That's the, this is the most important parable. You're a farmer. You got to hang on to that. You got to protect it. <laughs> back, back when I was a kid, we had two-acre garden. My grandpa... And, and, and you know what? He shot the crows. I know I may not be politically correct, but he shot crows to keep them from eating his garden up. And guess what? See, this is where this is the, the Spirit of God spoke through Miss Shirley. You know why you need to be a, a soldier? You know why you need to be an athlete? You know why you need to be a farmer? Yeah, for you, but you got to go and help somebody else. You see, my, we planted a garden, and we gave away peas, and we gave away okra, and we gave away watermelons, and we gave away all kinds of stuff to help other people. When are you going to start being mature enough and growing up enough to help somebody? God's called us to be, you know what? You get to partake. It's what it said. You get to eat of the garden, but it's also other people can eat your fruit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, meekness. <laughs> Let me say it again. Being a jerk is not a fruit of the Spirit. Being mean is not a fruit of the Spirit. Giving somebody peace of your mind is not a fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. And sometimes just walking away is fruit of the Spirit. Because it's called self-control. I know y'all like y'all never want to chew somebody out or hit somebody. Y'all lying. It's called self-control. Self-control is not saying anything. How about self-control just to listen instead of talk? I have been sent just to listen to people. And I'm going, mmm, mmm. I'm serious. This man was dying of cancer. And he came and knocked on my door. And I just found out Jesus was a healer. And I wanted to tell him, mm -hmm. and he's just pouring out and pouring out, but he had nobody else to pour out to. And he poured out to me. And God wouldn't let me say nothing. Don't say it. Don't say it. Just listen. Self-control. It's, it's tough, but just to listen, I did get to pray with him, but he wasn't in a place to receive. That, that's a deep revelation. Healing is a deep revelation. And we talk about it like it's just nothing. But it's a deep revelation that God wants us all to have, to grow into. But you know what? A toddler, uh, uh, those bed babies up there, they, they own a bottle. They don't want steak. They want milk. That's discerning where 
that person's at and meet their need where they are. Because, see, that's where God wants to take us, to work, that we're the light, that we help somebody, that we say, over here, I already said this. It's time for us to mature to lead others to Christ, not to ourselves. If people want to follow you because of you, that's what the world does. They follow crazy, crazy athletes and crazy uh, actors and crazy news people. We follow in Jesus. Yeah, we believe in voting. Take your Bible with you. Do they line up with that? Then that's what I want. And sometimes you got to pick the best of the evil, don't you? I'm oh, sorry. Okay. You ain't supposed to talk about politics, Pastor Brett. Yes, I am. Yes, I can. I don't have my head in the sand. I vote and I pray. And I fast and I pray. And I bind powers and principalities over Washington, over Withville, over these United States. How about over India? How about over Africa? We, we're called to break strongholds. That's part of being a soldier. That's part of being a soldier. Let me land this airplane as I say, huh? Let's just finish this thing. Listen. Paul wrote all this to Timothy. So I'm challenging you. I'm going to talk to people who mature or think they're mature. It's time to start pouring in this people. It's time to just quit leaving people alone in the muck they're in and tell them, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. There's a better way. How many times have we walked past people? They're in trouble. You know, I, I'm not the tallest person in this room, but I, if I go to the grocery store forevermore, could you get that down for me? Forget you. I don't do that. I'll be glad to. And sometimes I have to climb too. But hear me. That's a simple thing. We're supposed to help people. But you don't always tell them, God loves you. God bless you. Glad Isaac could help you. It's more than just good deeds. We're sowers. We sow, we sow, we sow. Everything we do with a purpose with church is to sow. This kids' event is to get kids saved. And we won't see kids saved. We won't see our youth saved. This impact that's coming, pray over our kids. Pray over the youth. Do you not understand that the world is calling your kids? Calling and calling and calling. Come over here. I got a four-year-old grandson. He can open up apps. It's scary. He might mess up and open up the wrong app. It happens. Look at the, go and Google statistics of kids that have seen porn. It will scare you. It ought to be a righteous fear. God is greater. And we need to call on the greater one. And we need to guide. Somebody said, well, you got to just let them be themselves. No. You guide them. Parents guide them. Grandparents guide them. Matter of fact, if you don't have any kids or if there's kids here and your, grand, and your grandkids live in another state far away, start guiding these here. Start telling the girls they look, they're pretty. Start telling the boys you're so smart. Start speaking into them. Come on, tell the girls they're smart. Tell the boys they're good looking. Come on, build some confidence in them. Put some, they need godly guidance. When you going, well, I'm not a very good. I've had no. You're you're good. God saved you. You're good. Let's pray. Just close your eyes and look at your heart, Father. We thank you for the victory, Lord. We thank you that all who call upon you are saved. That that you will no wise cast anyone out, Father. Reveal to us today if we need need you in our heart. 
those that aren't born again, Lord God, draw them in. If you're here today and you're not sure you're saved, would you lift your hand and let us pray together? If you're here today and you know, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand, but, but have some self-discipline and check yourself. Judge yourself. Say, Lord, this ain't right, and I'm going after it as a soldier. I'm going after it. I'm going to train. I'm going to keep myself. And I'm going to plant the word there, and I'm going to dig up the weeds there. There's too many weeds in our lives. You know, as you mature, you start looking at the word, and, and grace is tougher. Grace says, don't even think about it anymore. Don't say it. Don't think about it. I'm like, oh my. Maturity. Going to the next level. Look at your heart. Let's go to the next level. I know all this. I've heard all this. Hmm. You're going to eat chicken again. Eat it again. Take it again. If you're on that level, then start leading others. So let's pray together. Say this with me. Say, Father, I believe that Jesus Christ paid the price for me. I believe that his blood shed for all my sins. Thank you, Father, that you stir in me today by your Spirit that I become that soldier, that I become that athlete, that I become that farmer, all in a greater measure. Teach me Show me, guide me, change me into who I need to be. Thank you, Lord, for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening today. You can keep up with fresh content, find out more about our upcoming events, and give to support Legacy Church all online at LegacyFamily.tv. From all of us here at Legacy Church, have a blessed week.